Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We had planned to talk to, to, talk to Dr. Michael uh, Wardlow uh, this morning, the Equality uh, Commission's Chief Commissioner, about the issue of a, a young man called Kevin Meyer who brought a case against uh, BT. And I'm going to speak to him about that in, in a second because uh, Dr. Michael Wardlow is, is with us. Michael, good morning. Morning, Frank. I, I just want to nail this other issue that's come up in the meantime. Mm-hmm. It's reared its head again about the presence of the Queen on the wall at yeah. the Northern Ireland office at, at Stormont House and the newsletter suggesting that all imagery of the Queen has been removed from that uh, workplace. Some people suggesting that that really is taking a, a sledgehammer to crack a nut. Well, well Frank, you're probably um, having this revealed to you as much as I am. Uh, First of all, I'm obviously not going to comment, as you would expect, on an individual case. But I would say, um, you know, some of the material that I've been listening to and reading seems to be suggesting that the NIO took advice from us in this. Can I say categorically, we were not involved in this confidential settlement. We weren't involved in giving advice to anyone in it. What we do have, Frank, is a very detailed set of guidelines on good and harmonious workplaces. And this is now 20 years old. So, um, you know, the the question is, what should a good and harmonious workplace look like? Unfortunately, the debate has moved into what the media are calling neutral workspaces. In other words, when people go into a workspace, they should expect that there's nothing there, that there's whitewashed walls. Now, can I say at the outset, if that's what an employer chooses to do, and some do in Northern Ireland, then that is perfectly lawful. But what we are recommending is that employers engage with unions, with employees, to talk about how their workplaces, and that isn't just the main HQ, it's the outbuildings, how those could actually be good and harmonious. And our guidelines are actually saying that this should not um, not be neutral, but actually uh, be reflective of the communities that serve in that workspace. So in this particular case, I do know there are government buildings that have royal portraits, and there are some that don't. So I can't answer the question to say, was this appropriate or not, because I don't know the circumstances. But what I do know is that um, employers should engage with us if they want, but certainly with their employees in the unions to say, well, what would be good in our workspace? What would be welcoming? There are some that I work and walk into, Frank, and there might be hello in 15 different languages. Uh, Some schools that I visited, they might have a portrait of the Queen and then uh, something um, that might be representing Mother Teresa. And the school has decided to do that on its own. So this notion about what should be acceptable is actually decisions that employers have to take. That's part of the adult conversation we've got to have in a shared society. However, Michael, if 
there's a picture of the Queen on the wall and one employee objects to it, maybe there for years and no one said anything, but someone's employed and someone says, I feel uncomfortable with that, I'm not prepared to uh, accept that looking down at me at my workstation every, every day. Must the company remove it because there's one Gurner? No, no, and that's, that's, I think, the problem with where the conversation's been going. This isn't about people having the right to be offended because nobody has the right to be offend, not to be offended. You know, it's almost as though the, uh, an individual has a veto, and this is absolutely not the case. But if someone does say there's a poster on the wall or there's a screensaver in the guy next door or there's a, there's a poster or an emblem in my workspace that causes me concern, the employer needs to take that seriously. And we'd get into a discussion to see uh, what the problem is. And there are procedures that uh, organisations have where formal complaints might be made. Now, for all I know, in this case, this individual may have taken this through a formal complaints procedure. And obviously then, at that stage, the employer would engage with the unions, with the individual, to find out what it is that's at stake. And is this, for example, is it a chill factor that's coming in? Is it reasonable? And, And therefore, this is about a conversation. It's not about... A veto. So, in answer to your question, can a Gurner, I think is the way you put it, um, actually cause a, a portrait or any poster to come down? That's not how it works. But the whitewashing of the wall is sometimes the decision that is reached by the employer. That's the, that's the safest yep. strategy, to have well, nothing. Well, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. I would say sometimes that is actually uh, a point. You know, in other words, we can't resolve. We don't want to sit down and talk to our employees. We're not quite sure uh, if we put up X, then it might look as if it's a chill factor or not. This is avoiding hard conversations. This is allowing us to come into a whitewashed space. Now, I have to say, there are some workspaces that have decided that is the best way. And it might have been the safest way. It might have been the simplest way because they might have 10, 15 out centres. Those communities may be from different traditions and they may say it's easiest for us. It's safest for us to have you suggested. But that, in my view, avoids the hard conversation. How do we actually share? What does shared space look like? Uh, We did a recent survey, and Ipsos Mori did one as well, and two out of three people say that their workplaces are welcoming. What that actually says is about a third of people say they're not, and a lot of that is to do with behaviours, by the way. Very, very few of those are to do with what they see on the walls. The biggest issue on good and harmonious workplaces is how people feel they're treated. It is a difficult issue for people working in the human uh, remains department, as they often call it. Uh, but <laughs> if you yeah, are if you are an HR executive, uh, are, are, my sympathy my sympathy is 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 with you because you, the, you know, there are fine lines that have to be thread, especially uh, whenever you have someone who will be incredibly proactive, unlike other people who accept that they're all shades and opinions uh, around them. Um, mm. w- w- want to move on to the other issue, Michael, which is the story of uh, 24-year-old Kevin Meyer, very talented yep. young man uh, living with Asperger's, dyslexia and dyspraxia, and he had a setback with BT. Uh, just to remind us of his, his situation, please, Michael. Okay, very straightforward. This is a young man 
who, although he has Asperger's dyslexia and dyspraxia, has an IQ of 139. He is an extremely driven and resilient young man. He did a two. He got a two-one degree at Queen's University, and he saw BT advertise a graduate entry program. The graduate entry program, because BT is what's called a disability confident employer, they try to undo effectively in most cases, really outreach to uh, people with disabilities. And they said, if you meet our minimum requirement, you will be guaranteed an interview. In other words, there won't be any sort of interim process. So Kevin duly filled the form in, sent off his monitoring form that said he had this disability. But the, the first problem was when this went into the system, um, the, the form that was uh, marking the fact that he had a disability went to effectively, I think, the HR department, the diversity department. The recruiters were not told he had a disability. So two different departments in BT, the one that were recruiting didn't know Kevin had a disability. And therefore, when they had, I don't know, I think it was nearly a thousand people applied, they introduced a, a test that's called a standardized test. It's an online test. Now, these tests, our research has shown, indeed, the person who owns the test has admitted that people with learning difficulties, that these tests don't work well for them. And Kevin protested, said he had a disability, that he shouldn't be doing the test. He did the test and he failed and therefore didn't get through to the interview stage. And obviously his mum and he tried on a number of occasions to talk to BT about setting aside the test results, produced all the evidence, and unfortunately it ended up through litigation and it was settled in a tribunal. BT uh, appealed it and the Court of Appeal upheld the tribunal and said BT had not offered Kevin what's called a reasonable accommodation and in fact therefore they had discriminated against him. So two things, a technical issue internally where one side didn't know that he had a disability and secondly once they knew they failed to say here's what we're going to offer you as an alternative to this test which research shows and the owner admits mitigates against people with learning difficulties. What can employers learn from, from this? Okay, well, the first thing was it seemed that BT internally, their processes were flawed because the people who knew he had a disability on the diversity monitoring form didn't pass that information across to the recruiter. That's a very simple thing that just fell down. The policies were there, but they weren't adhered to. The second thing is if someone does present with a disability, it is on the employer to provide the reasonable accommodation. It's interesting in the comment that the BT put out, they said they did offer that and it was uh, acknowledged by the tribunal. That's actually not true. The tribunal categorically states that BT did not offer reasonable accommodation and that's the reason it ended up through litigation. Had they said, let's set aside the test, let's bring you in for an interview, let's give you, as they should have done, a guaranteed interview, I wouldn't be having this conversation. So I guess my message to employers is, if someone comes to you, they want a job or they're going to have a service and they have a disability, it is your responsibility to provide reasonable accommodation, not the person to come up with some sort of solution. For example, you don't ask a person in a wheelchair, well, how would we make our building accessible? You provide a ramp. So you cannot absolve yourself from that responsibility. Any problems, contact us, Frank. We're all too willing to give help and it's free. And finally, uh, for anyone who has gone through the legal process and who's been successful, uh, this young man receiving £18,000, other people we've featured on this programme have received varying amounts of money when they've sued employers. Is there any way that that puts them at a disadvantage when applying for another job, that they're recognised as being litigious? 
Well, I mean, you would hear some anecdotal evidence, particularly when names are put out, but young Kevin himself being interviewed yesterday was asked, well, you know, how does this set you back? And he said, well, when you go for another job, you sort of, in the middle of the interview, somebody says, and you're still looking for a job. And, and he feels that he's got to get past that I have a disability. The problem with Kevin is he's one of 40,000 people in Northern Ireland that has a learning difficulty, and only about 30% of them get a job. So he's one of 30%. That means 70% don't. You think what BT missed with this excellent young man, the day of the tribunal hearing, he got a job as a graduate entry, and he's still in that job, and he's actually got promotion. So that proves that resilience is there. But had this been open to him, BT would have had an excellent employee. So it's seen as resilience by other employers. It's not seen as someone who might be a troublemaker. Well, look, you know the chattering classes. I mean, Northern Ireland's a fairly small place. Somebody's name gets out in the public domain. Then they make an application. You know, people do Google. People go on LinkedIn. They try to find out on social media somebody's name. We know that that happens. And I have had nothing that people have come back to me having been through our system. And in my time here, we've supported uh, about 350, 400 people and 90% success rate. I have never heard anyone come back to say, as a result of what's happened, that they've actually felt disadvantaged. I'm sure they feel that going to the next interview, particularly when they've become headlines or they're on a programme. But to be honest, you know, you've got to measure up. Is this worth doing something? And for Kevin, given his disability, this was an amazing step of resilience that he took. And it's paid benefit for him. Yeah, absolutely. Courageous young man who took on a very, very big company and did it on behalf of everyone who would be maybe suffering with or coping with a, a similar challenge in life. Um, Michael, thanks for, thanks for speaking to us this morning. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you.